Father, we pray that we might be able to receive the grace of your word to us tonight as we prepare our hearts to receive the grace of your sacrament that you have gifted us with in abundant measure. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this evening we're continuing our series. It's the penultimate week of our series on what it looks like to be the sort of church that Jesus Christ is looking for, Christ's church here in this part of his world. What does it look like to be a community of grace? And you remember when we began this series, we were thinking about how the church was to embody and reflect and live out the risen life of Jesus. It's the risen Jesus who is among his people that is animating and inspiring and pouring out by his spirit the grace that he himself has shown toward us. We are the people that Jesus is proclaiming the incredible message that God is a gracious God and he'll never be anything other. And so as we think for a moment about this example of God's grace revealed in Jesus toward these ten people suffering with what was one of the most dreaded diseases at that time, a disease that made it impossible for people who had it, leprosy, to be accepted within the community that they had grown up in, to be ostracized outside physically as well, and who were condemned to a life of loneliness. Jesus was very close to the region of Samaria as he travelled along through Galilee. And as he was going to, towards a village, he heard this cry, perhaps right in the distance, because they were shouting, they were a long way off because they couldn't come close. Jesus, Master, have pity on us, have compassion, have mercy. Jesus was filled not only with compassion and mercy, but what he did spoke of the grace of God that is beyond anything they could have ever expected. When he saw them, he didn't say any words of healing, but just said, go and show yourselves to the priests. That was what happened, what you needed to do in order to ratify any healing that had happened in your life. And we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, as they went, they were cleansed. All their leprosy just fell off their skin. Something happened entirely miraculous, so that when they saw the priests, there would be no doubt that they were healed. What we're seeing here is God's grace in action through healing. But in what follows, 
we find the first mark of a community of grace. Because we read that one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. In other words, I mean, I'm sure they all saw they were healed. There would be no doubt about it. But Luke's saying, when he sort of recognised that this healing had happened, and he thought about who had been responsible for that healing, that grace that was shown, it was something that changed his life forever and motivated him to respond to that grace. The nine out of ten didn't see it in the sense of they didn't really recognize it for the miracle it was in the same way that this one did. And so the first mark of a community of grace is to recognize that God is a God who pours out grace toward us. And there's no greater demonstration of that grace as we've had this morning of the baptism of three babies, three infants, among them little Reuben, Kathy, and Kathy and Aidan's son. And Kathy was preaching this morning, and do listen to it on the, on the website if you can. But she talked about the incredible way that in infant baptism, God's grace is demonstrated in full measure because there's nothing that that little baby can do to make God love her more. There's nothing that that little baby can do to make God love him less. He or she is just a baby, totally in, uh, incompetent of anything other than just being a baby. And yet God's grace flows out, symbolized in the water of baptism and in the anointing with the sign of the cross. It's an incredible demonstration that there's nothing we can do to earn God's salvation and his welcoming into his family. And this evening as we celebrate the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving of God's total giving of himself, as we heard in that first reading. God has revealed his love to the world through Jesus, not counting their sins against him. He, says St. John, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's no one who is outside of the realm of God's grace. But as we know from experience, whether it's an infant baptism or whether it's Holy Communion, the capacity to receive and enter into that grace is another thing altogether than just being graced by what God has done. And so the person here who has saw saw that he was healed and came back and praised God and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him shows the second mark of God's, of a a grace-filled community. And that is the responding to God's grace 
Firstly, the recognizing of God's grace and then the responding to God's grace. And he came back and worshipped God. He didn't hold back. He praised God in a loud voice. He wasn't some tiny little prayer of thanksgiving. He was filled, energized by the joy of what God in Jesus had done. And so with infant baptism, we long and we pray for and we do all we can to support families so that those little babies can respond and recognize the grace that God has shown them. And we'll come to declare that publicly in confirmation. And we'll live their lives out by being part of this grace-filled community. And be able to express that grace that they've received freely to others. Coming to church week by week is just one fantastic example of responding to God's grace kneeling or standing here before the offer of God's precious gift revealed in bread and wine with open hands saying, thank you, Lord. I receive by faith the grace that you're showing me in Jesus. And to eat and drink and saying, I'm taking this into myself I'm receiving it. There's no greater symbolic act of receiving than eating and drinking. And Jesus, in his genius of a way, <laughs> has brought that sacrament of the bread and the wine and symbolizing it, making it real by the act of physically receiving so that inwardly and spiritually we might receive in our hearts the grace of God. And so this recognition and this responding through worship and prayer and proclamation and declaration of one's own capacity to say yes to God is our two marks of this community of grace. And there's one other. As we think of what happened after that Samaritan, the one who you'd least expect to come back. In fact, Jesus, of course, had shown grace not only to those of his own uh, clan, as it were, the Jewish people, but here he'd, so, he's, he'd gone beyond the limits. He'd gone outside of the Jewish community of faith. And part of his capacity to show grace was that it was to his enemies, not only to his friends. And what had happened as a result of this incredible outpouring of grace, the response, the recognition, was that something even more miraculous happened than just the healing of this man. Jesus asked, we read in verse 17, were not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Now I don't know how to read those words. <laughs> but I can only ask that we try and imagine what tone was behind Jesus' voice. I mean, what do you think? Where are the other nine? 
No. No, I don't think so. But he could have been. Was he saying it with a deep sadness or a disappointment? Or was he saying it with compassion for them that they still hadn't quite got this grace um, dynamic? It's very difficult to know. But the fact was that Jesus was conscious that there were nine other people that hadn't responded in this way that this one had. And as a community of grace, I think we also can be very conscious that there may be one within the flock, within the, 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 the pen, as it were, within the, uh, what's it called? Yeah, the, the pen, if you like the shepherd analogy. But there are 99 others. Jesus told a parable about the good shepherd that had the 99 within the, uh, what's the word? Fold. Pardon? Fold. Fold, thank you. <laughs> and 99 within the fold, and he went out to search for the one. <coughs> the church in this country is more like the one inside the fold, and, and we're going out and searching in Jesus' name for the 99. But the fact is that there are millions of people within this country who have yet to recognize and respond to the grace of God. Are we going to be angry with them? Are we going to be saying, why don't they come to church? Yeah, it's such a great thing to do. You know, these godparents who come to the uh, baptism services, they obviously don't have any faith. Do they stand up there and they say, I heard that this morning. They say the promises, and, and I think as if, as if they're sort of really indignant about it. And I totally get that, because you long for these godparents who come, and some of them are, you know, just clearly saying the words, and don't fully enter into it. It doesn't seem to me saying that judgmentally, anyway. <laughs> but that's what you hear. Jesus' attitude, what would he be saying about those people? Would there be a longing in his heart? Would there be compassion towards them? Would there be understanding that in their life they might have had so many terrible experiences of the church that they're only there because their best friends have asked them to be there? You know? What's our attitude as a community of grace toward people who are not going with the flow of Christianity, or who are standing against it. Jesus is not afraid to ask questions. Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner, he says. And Jesus was able to embody not only grace, but at the same time, truth. Remember how in John's Gospel, in the prologue to St. John, he talks about the glory of God being revealed in Jesus. We have seen his glory. Here's the Christmas carol service coming in. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father. What's the next words? Full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't only full of grace. He was also full of truth. 
And therefore, we see in the life of Jesus his capacity to, in love, in grace, challenge people, ask questions that get at the real reasons for what's going on in their lives. Sometimes expose injustice. Sometimes make people think again about what their lives are really about. And if we're going to be a community of grace like Jesus was, we also want to be a a community of grace and truth. Being open with one another, gracious toward each other, but not shying away from asking difficult questions, challenging one another in a way that is full of compassion, not condemnation. This is so important as we go forward, as we try to evaluate what we're doing as a church, as we try to respond perhaps by the feedback that we would love to have from lots of different people. What are the questions that are being begged by this series? Please don't be afraid of speaking the truth in love to each other, to those in leadership, to anyone, if it's in the name of Jesus and in his way. So Jesus asked these questions. And then he says to him, and I'll finish with this, he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. <laughs> rise and go. I mean, yes, it says get up, get up and go. But also Luke chooses to use this word rise, the same word that was used of Jesus when he, was ra- ra- he rose from the dead. There's a hint here that this man, this foreigner who was outside, has now been brought in and has been risen to new life with Jesus. There is something that suggests his faith has now been translated into this new relationship which could be called salvation. Indeed, the word well, of course, means totally healed, made whole. It's the same word that's used for being saved. This man now has been saved. He's been brought into a new life. And he is at peace with God. He's in relationship with God through Jesus. He, and not the other nine, were in this blessed place. Freely he had received. Now he was set free to give and enter into the community of grace in which that dynamic of giving and receiving, receiving and giving, was a natural flow of the Spirit of Jesus among his people. So three marks of that community of grace, that recognizing grace, responding to grace, and being able to be risen into that salvation that God's grace leads to. We all have stories to share, I'm sure, of how that has happened in our lives and the ways in which within our community over the years this grace has been witnessed. And if you're in a home group or if just talking over coffee or in small groups and just one-to-one conversations, it would be lovely to share over the coming week what that has looked like in your life and in the lives of others that you know. So let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we are in awe of the way in which you, in Jesus, reveal that grace, that unmerited, unconditional love that goes beyond all that we, humanly speaking, are capable of. Thank you that it leads to that relationship with you at an ever deeper level. And we pray that we might be gracious people, that we might be a people that speaks the truth in love and reveals your risen life more and more as your grace enables us to. We ask it for your glory, Lord God. Amen. Amen.